0: If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. Today's guest, Tom Connolly, is an experienced leader, strategist, and change agent with proven performance leading, building, and fixing organizations by creating a culture of performance. In over 30 years of Marine leadership, he led organizations from 50 to 3,500 personnel with budgets up to 2.8 billion. Tom served as a director for two defense companies before founding Connolly Consulting, where he helps leaders improve their performance and success professionally, personally, spiritually, and physically. Our interview will begin right after messages from our sponsors. Hello, leaders. Just wanted to share with you that I'm trying out this new app called Wisdom. You know that I'm always looking to grow in wisdom and to share what I've learned. So join me live in 2022 on Saturday, January 8th at 12 noon Eastern time on the Wisdom app for a conversation on being fully resourced. My handle there is at Liliana. That's L-I-L-Y-A-H-N-A. I've included a link in the show notes for easy access. So join me live to listen, converse, ask questions, and learn how we are fully resourced to co-create our future. I'm so looking forward to connecting with you.
1: Welcome, Tom Connolly. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much, Lily. It's a great pleasure
0: to be with you and your listeners. Well, we're so happy to have you on our podcast. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? Absolutely. All right. So Tom, tell us a bit about
1: your path to leadership and what you're doing now. Well, we could start way back when, but we don't have that long. (laughs) So (laughs) I'll cut it short. A long family tradition of leadership, parents who were both World War II veterans and children of the depression raised us to think about work and how we contribute to our country And of course, my dad was a great leader. My mom was a great patriot. Grew up in a house with three older brothers and an older sister and a younger sister, and all of them contributed significantly to my development. I always wanted to be like my brothers and they all went into the military and became leaders in the military. My dad had been in the Navy for 30 years. My mom had served, like I said, during World War II. I went off to the Naval Academy following two of my brothers, figuring that was where the best way to get to where I wanted to be, which was to become a Marine officer. So I got to fulfill my lifelong dream when I graduated from the Naval Academy. Of course, numerous lessons learned there. The largest of which was, sometimes you have to work smarter, not harder. A good lesson. Yeah. And then 30 years in the Marine Corps, commanded everything I could command up through the rank of Colonel, served in a variety of positions from strategic analysis to recruiting. But my primary occupational specialty was in the artillery. I spent a significant amount of time in leadership positions in the uh, operational forces and served in Desert Storm and in OIF and had the opportunity to lead men in combat and a unique experience. And then when I retired, I had left the Marine Corps. I was running wargaming for the Marine Corps. So I went into the defense industry doing future force development and some war gaming etc and i did that for about five years for a couple of different companies and in doing so i began to realize that first off i needed to write down all these things that i had learned along the way but when it came to getting it all written down it was taking me longer than i thought and my daughter came to me one day and said you have to write this stuff down dad i said well i'm writing it down and she said that's not fast enough get it done And so in the midst of getting it done, I came to the conclusion that what I needed to do was go into business for myself and become a coach. Mm -hmm. That was not an easy process. I thought I was a consultant, but I discovered that I wasn't. And so I was building my business involved in several other organizations. And then we had the pandemic and in the midst of the pandemic, I moved my family and my operations from Northern Virginia to uh, Texas. And so now I live in Texas and we're ramping up the business again. So we've learned some things over again and we continue to build. My mission and what I do now is to help leaders and organizations to improve their performance personally, professionally, spiritually, and physically. Because I think you have to work on all of those things if you want to be a success. You can't ignore any of them. And I have continued to pursue this And it's been my mission for many years, but now it is my business. And so now I look to every day to try and help as many people become better leaders as I can possibly. So we'll see where that goes. My wife says, how long are you going to do this for? And I said, for the rest of my life. I've been doing it my whole life. Let's keep on doing this. There's no
0: such thing as retirement.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, that's a long story. In short, my dad stopped mowing his lawn when he was 75. And five years later, he died. The first thing I told my wife was, don't sell the lawnmower. And the next thing I said was, I'm not going to retire. And my beautiful wife, Annie, continues to work as a nurse. And she has no intention of retiring either. But we make time to do other things. So, You know, Moses started his real business
0: at 80. So (laughs) let's give this promise. So there's so much here. And I want to say, I'm so encouraged because I have interviewed a few military career professionals who have retired. And one of the things that impresses me the most is humility. It makes me feel so safe that many of the military leaders have this characteristic. I can't say all of them, but many. And so that makes me feel so proud. And I also want to thank you for the amazing service that you've given.
1: I'm humbled. It was my honor and continues to be my honor every day.
0: Now you mentioned
1: your business. Tell us about that, where we can find you. I wouldn't want to leave that out, would I? Um, Connelly Consulting. And they can find me at ConnellyConsulting.com, on uh, LinkedIn at Tom Connolly or on Instagram at Connolly underscore consulting and on Facebook 247 Leadership or Tom Connolly. The best place to go is to my website to find me, but they can always email me at Tom at ConnollyConsulting.com. I talk to people all the time for all kinds of reasons, and coaching is the focus help anybody and everybody improve their performance.
0: Great. And for the uh, benefit of the listeners, how do you spell (laughs) Connolly? Great point. Uh, C-O-N-N-A-L-L-Y. Perfect. Now,
1: you mentioned you wrote some stuff down. Does that mean you wrote a book? I did. I wrote (laughs) a book and it's called Becoming a Leader, a Roadmap for My Daughter and the Aspiring Leader. When I started writing that book, it kept getting longer and longer and longer. It was going to be an epic essay. My dad wrote a few of those to us as young leaders. And I thought, I'll write her an epic essay. And it kept getting longer. And I said, you know, I can't write a 5,000 page book. Nobody will read it and it'll, you know, sit on the shelf and gather dust. And I said, that's not really what I want to do. What I tried to do was create a roadmap for consideration for young leaders. So how do they build themselves? How do you develop the skills, abilities, networks, that you need to develop in order to become a leader not all-inclusive but it is the distillation to about a hundred pages of my lessons over the last 30 years focused on developing leaders and that doesn't mean just youngsters and it doesn't mean just military although i will tell you it is very much marine speak i left it that way on purpose the idea is if you're changing jobs or you have challenges or you're trying to move on you know We promote people, especially in industry for competence and competence in their specialties. So if you're a painter and you paint houses all by yourself and your business grows, now you get a crew of six. Whether you wanted to be a leader or not, you're now a leader. You now have a crew of people that work for you. You now need to lead them. But we do this throughout industry. And we don't train people to be leaders and we don't have the same kind of formalized mentoring and development in many places. And with as many people that are laterally moving up the chain from one business to another, from one company to another to move up, there's not that long-term mentorship. So where they could rely on an organization or the people in an organization over a long period of time in the past that's how you got your mentorship and your growth. Now we don't see that as much. And so there are more and more people that find themselves in a position of management, but you don't manage people. You lead people, you manage things and stuff. I absolutely agree with you. So the idea of the book was hey, here's the start point. Let's optimize your apprenticeship because that's really what it is. Being a leader, I talk about it as a vocation, but as an apprenticed vocation, that is you are an apprentice every time you go to a new job, every time you move up to the next level, because every challenge of leadership is nuanced. It's nuanced by the place you have. It's nuanced by the organization that you're in. It's nuanced by the people that you have. It's nuanced by the position that you're in. So there are numerous challenges that affect every leader and those leaders have to learn to deal with those challenges at every level. You may master one level and then you move to another and now you're apprentice again. But even more than that, you know, if you're seriously committed to being a leader, then you understand that there are other people that are masters around you. Often we as leaders are the generalists. We're the people that are coordinating things, but we have experts all around us. Right. And those experts are the masters at certain things, and we have to be their apprentice. It's a continual vocation of mastery in apprenticeship, and we have to accept when we're the master and when we're the
0: apprentice? As you were speaking, I was thinking, well, does an apprentice ever arrive
1: as a leader? Well, you know, at some point in time, you know, if you think you've arrived, then maybe you're missing that humility piece that you spoke of at the beginning, which is absolutely essential if you're going to continue to develop. You got to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, Did I get done yesterday what I needed to get done? Did we accomplish what we needed to accomplish? Do we need to take a step back? Do I need to look at everybody and say, that was erroneous? I had us going in the wrong direction. And if you don't have the humility to do that, then you need to go back and find it. Because there's really no way that a leader can't at some point in time, look at his people and say, okay, that was a good try, but I missed the mark. This one's on me. Yeah. You know, leaders are responsible for all their organizations do and fail to do.
0: Right. And you know, um, it's clear that you have a lot of wisdom and I've discovered in my journey that wisdom and humility are very connected. You can't have one without the other. Sometimes that gets me upset because I don't always want to be humble. But every time I choose humility, I learn deep things that I didn't know before. And so I love learning about this. And so I appreciate you sharing that with us.
1: I was just going to say, you know, that all comes from somewhere and from someone whether it's from God above or from the leaders that have been, you know, my coaches and mentors along the way.
0: Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Now, Tom, we're currently hopefully in the tail end of the global COVID-19 pandemic. We don't know, right? How has this affected
1: you? (laughs) Well, Short of moving everything that I have to Texas in the midst, there are challenges. In trying to start a business or market a business in this environment that is largely person-to-person, there is no knocking on anybody's door and just saying, I'm here, will you talk to me? That's not going to happen. So it's created some challenges. It's also created opportunities. There are always opportunities with any challenge. My wife's a nurse. She just got her vaccine. And so she's concerned every day, you know, going to the hospital and coming home. My daughter, who's a Marine captain out at Camp Lejeune, she had the virus. Fortunately, it didn't affect her too much, but she has some lingering effects. I bet that I had it last December before they could test anybody for it, but uh, probably we'll never know for sure. The challenges to the society, to our country, to the world, people are less connected. They're more connected like this, but there's less personal connection and personal connection is absolutely essential to life and that impacts everybody. and impacts the way businesses are working and the way people feel about what they're doing. Personally, I've lived through more than one crisis and I've, you know, have my life threatened in more than one way. These kind of things, they are the nature of human existence. We're going to go through these things and, and we're going to live through these things. And, you know, keeping the faith is, I think, essential. It is in my life, You have faith that the good Lord's going to protect you and carry you through and whatever the results are, the outcome will be to his glory. For me, that's every day, get up and have faith and realize that whatever happens, there's a lesson in it somewhere. Can I learn that lesson and carry it on? It makes me more positive when I'm dealing with people. I want to make sure whatever interaction you can have with them is a good interaction. Uh, And we all have our days. But it's important to me that whoever we talk to, we leave them with, if not faith, a good feeling. And that's so much more important
0: now than ever. So I appreciate that you're speaking about that because I notice the hostility. And so it has to be that we're intentional and walk differently. Hey, leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. Did COVID-19 make you realize your business has a lot more risks than you thought? COVID opened our eyes to the under and uninsured risks business owners face and many are still struggling with today. But did you know the government created a tax code to help business owners set aside tax-deferred funds to help mitigate those risks? It's called an 831B plan, and every Fortune 500 company has one. Now that it's more affordable than ever, small to mid-sized companies can participate and ensure their business weathers the storm, whatever the future holds. If you want to protect the success you've worked so hard to build, visit 831B.com to learn more. That's 831B.com. Now, as a lifelong learner, what are you learning right now?
1: Every day, my business brings me something new to learn. And I make it a point to absorb and look for those things that will help me. I mean, on the small level, on the business level, I've learned an enormous amount about a variety of business topics from accounting to establishing LLCs and licenses and all those things. I always study leadership and I'm always uh, involved. (laughs) My family actually has a, a book club. We actually uh, read books over time and, and have Zoom calls and talk about them. How cool and, is that? You know, my brother-in-law's idea, and he's a retired Marine, a great guy, an accomplished businessman himself. So we've been going through this for the last eight months. And right now we're reading about the Civil War. So there's always some interesting lessons that you can bring across to today. But there's also great leadership lessons in there, not just in battles, but in political developments and those kind of things. And it makes sense why your family is so strong in leadership,
0: because you study together, you work through things together. But a question came to me. So you have this close circuit of your family members and you're learning and you're growing, right? I wonder what would happen if you open that circle up to other people that are not like you,
1: First off, everybody in the family is not in the military. We have nieces and nephews who participate who are not in the military. And we invite friends to come and participate. And we have some friends that do participate. I love that.
0: Now, Tom, when you think of leadership today, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about?
1: I think my greatest concern is the idea of situational ethics that there are no hard and fast definitions, or it seems to be more and more that people believe that there are no absolutes. And there are some absolutes about what is good and what is right. And there are some of those lessons that have been historically and traditionally brought to us through institutions, the church and some others. But there seems to be less and less adherence to the traditional understanding of morals and ethics. And morals and ethics underpin your society. And if you believe that just because you thought about something and it worked for you, that that was enough, then your ethical base is changing continuously. And if it's changing continuously, then you're untethered. And you can make an excuse for anything that you do or want to do and explain it away to yourself. And if you're doing that for yourself, then your people have no idea where you are if you're a leader. The people that you lead need to understand that you are prudent and logical and rational in your decision-making. You have integrity. Yes, all of those things. (laughs) Exactly. Honesty, integrity, vision. Take responsibility. Absolutely. And if your ethical base is is weak or untethered then you're all over the map yeah. and there's no consistency you know the people that you lead want some consistency right uh, they want to understand where you're coming from they'll tolerate mistakes but they won't tolerate inconsistency for a long period of time if they don't know where you're coming from or why you're doing it and they have no context then they eventually right. will not follow you anymore right So what are you most hopeful about? My son is 19 years old and I see he and his peers and they are rational, thoughtful and logical thinkers who have faith. So I'm hopeful that we have come back around to some degree to understand that those things, honesty, integrity are important to human interaction, let alone leadership. I think that that generation and many others are seeing and understanding that there's a necessity for faith, but also for moral and ethical responsibility. That's what I see. Over time, if you're leading, you're observing people and you're observing society and you see society go through its woes and we're going through some now and we'll have some pain and suffering. At the same time, there will be lessons to be learned. And the question will be, will we learn them? And just because a document is 200 years old doesn't mean that it's of no value. In fact, every day we find documents that are thousands of years old that we find great value in. So the fundamental principles, I'm a believer in our Constitution, and I'm a believer in the American way. This country was founded on rugged individualism and a set of moral principles. While we have had periods of time where we've had people who veered from those, we have always been able to right ourselves and move on. We'll never be perfect, but I think our framers were pretty prescient in their statement in order to form a more perfect union, right, just to say that it's continuous. So
0: I'm just curious, you know, I have to stand back a little bit because I have heard people say or believe that you have to be a Christian to be a good leader.
1: Is that something that you believe in? For me, it makes it easier. Wherever your moral values extend from, they have to include certain things, honesty, integrity. Right. Um, I talk about something in my book. I talk about what I call the prime imperative, the leader's one thing, and that is you have to believe that every person has value. Yes. Now, that's really easy to believe if you're a Christian. Now, I don't know about every other faith, but that's very easy to believe from a Christian standpoint. And I think that that fundamentally as a leader to not believe that every person has value takes you down a dark road very quickly. And I can say that from a leadership standpoint. So I wouldn't extend and say, I've never met a great leader who wasn't a Christian. I can't say that. But what I can say is that your moral and ethical base has to be sound. And if you don't believe that your people have value, then you're not leading them because the fundamental purpose of a leader is to inspire his people to transcend to something greater than themselves. Yes. So if you think about that, then part and parcel of that is to believe in your people. And you can't believe in your people if you don't believe they all value. You know, that's a long story and I'll make it very short, but I have watched men and women in the service do amazing things. And it came to me one day that I would never know who the heroes are going to be. You have great Marines and you have not so great Marines, but they're all Marines. And you don't know who's going to be the hero. And I've watched the least likely leader emerge from a group because he was the only one that had his wits about him at that time in those circumstances. And you go out and never called that. And so if you don't know who's gonna be the hero tomorrow, you don't know who's gonna win the day for you, then you better treat them all like they're potential heroes. Yes. Treat them like gold because they're the ones that will save the day. And right. there's no way you're gonna know in advance who that person is.
0: Right. Yes, absolutely. Now, Tom, you have an option here. You can respond to a question from a former guest, or you can share a challenge, struggle, or failure that you learned from.
1: That would be a really long list and hard to choose. (laughs) Um, Just one, just one. I will share this with you because it was the significant learning point. I was on recruiting duty and I was getting beat up very, very badly. And it was for a variety of reasons, but One day, I had ordered a day planner of a particular type. And in the back of that was these tapes. And these tapes were about time management. So I said, nothing can hurt me. It can only help me. So I sat down on my floor in my apartment in Des Moines, Iowa, and I put in the tapes. And I listened to all eight hours. And I went, wow, this isn't about time management at all. This is about understanding what you believe knowing what your objective is. This is about bringing your performance in line with what you believe. So the next day I listened to these tapes all over again, this time with a stack of paper. And I made notes. I have every goal I've ever written since 1988. This was 1988. And when I got done with that, I said, I am not doing things that I proclaim. I say, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to church. I'm not praying. And I'm uh, not reading the Bible. How can I be a Christian? There are things I can do right now. But the large lesson here is, if you don't know what you believe, how do you bring your performance in line with it? If you're not doing what you believe, you will be miserable and you'll be all over the map and you'll be unguided. Your path is to know what you believe and then bring your performance in line with your values. And then you're setting goals, and they're all with the direction of your most fundamental core beliefs. Now, I would tell you that the majority of people that I talk to can't tell me what they believe.
0: And I want to add to that. A lot of them can't respond to the questions, who are you, what do you want, and why do
1: you do the things you do? The who are you is what you believe. Who do you want to be? Who's the aspiring you? I talk about that some in the book. Then you say, what do I need to do to become that person? And then what other things do I value that I want to accomplish? And they need to be consistent. There needs to be congruity between what your values are and what you want to accomplish. And then you can say, you know, why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. And every day you can say, what's the next step to Mm -hmm. the next goal? And have I reached it?
0: To me, that's walking in integrity, and to walk in integrity is so powerful. When you walk in integrity, then so much is up leveled.
1: Well, most people will say, you know, integrity is doing the right thing when nobody's looking, and that's true. But I would say that integrity is living what you believe. That's integrity. And, you know, what we
0: believe can shift. Absolutely. That's one of the things that I've been learning that what I thought was so true ages ago, I'm shifting and opening my heart and mind to, there is a core belief, but then there are other things. One of the practices that's been so powerful for me is meditation meditating on my connection with my maker. And that has led me to open my eyes to a lot of other things. So I really appreciate this conversation and can't wait to read your book. It's going to have a lot of nuggets in it. So Tom, as a listener of this podcast, what is a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? What are you curious about?
1: Do you know what you believe and have you committed to living that? How have you committed to living that?
0: Great. Thank you. Now, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: I would say, whether it's in this environment or it's in the travels of daily life, when you're facing a challenge, don't face it alone. Find a coach, find a mentor. We should always have at least three people in our lives. That one that's our master that we're learning from, one that's our apprentice that we're teaching. And one that's up here that can tell us when we are not being true to ourselves or making good decisions or living right, we should always have at least those three people. And then I would tell you that not just because I'm a coach, I think I became a coach because of this. You have to seek someone that can do those things for you. And sometimes it's your boss and sometimes it's not. The person who pays you is not the person you want to take silly questions to. And they're only silly for lack of a better term. And some of those questions are not critical and some of them are, but maybe they're not the ones you want to take to your boss. And maybe there's a challenge that's significant and you just need someone to provide you an additional perspective, to tell you the things no one else will tell you. So don't go through it alone. I used to tell my Marines, and especially after combat, when you come out of the lines, don't deal with your ghosts by yourself. We all have ghosts, ghosts of decisions made, ghosts of actions taken, ghosts of things that we saw or did, whether it's in combat or in life. But don't deal with your ghosts by yourself. There are people that can help us to deal with those ghosts. And you have to pick the right people. And it depends on what you're dealing with. But a coach is a great way to go for much of this. It doesn't have to be somebody you pay, but it can surely be uh, someone uh, that you consider to have some wisdom and insight, but that is likewise not just going to give you a pass on everything. Right. And that's the key, too, to going back, Lily, to what you said. It's great to open our perspective and see other things. It's also important, though, that we recognize that many of the traditions and the values you know that have developed were the result of learning hard lessons. Mm-hmm. And so Sometimes we'll open that perspective, but we have to remember there's still truth. Truth still exists. And there's a reason for that truth. Like you said, find the right person. If you want to talk to me about, you know, soccer, no, don't talk to me about soccer. (laughs) I'll point you to my son. It's helpful to find people that you think have credibility and value and engage them.
0: I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners.
1: It's been a great pleasure to be here. I hope I brought some value. You did. If they want to read my book, they can find a link to it on my uh, website. I also have a download there on the piece that talks about, do you know what you believe? Beautiful. And so there's a free download there. If they want a taste of it. The book's easy to read. I wrote it in, you know, three page sections and I made it small enough that people could put it in a bag, put it in a cargo pocket and you know, knock it out in about a week. I hope that they would consider it a little bit and make some notes in the margins to themselves about what they need to do.
0: Thank you. Have an amazing day. Thank you so
1: much, Lily. It's been a great pleasure.
0: In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that
1: leader in you.